All right, here we are. Here's me, here's my donkey picture, and here is Jim Sims somewhere up here. He's coming up here. All right, here we are. All right. That with my head's like two and a half times bigger than your head in the screen. I can't see myself. Oh my so. God. If you lean up, it's like my head fits the whole screen here. I've got a movie star head. It will look good projected on a large a big head. That's what movie star head is. Is that what yeah. it's called? Yeah. Movie it's star large, head. large frontal <laughs> feature. So, so, hey, we're going to talk today about extreme conclusions may be indicators of fear. It's something that I took out of your book, and I don't have an image of your book, but people can go on to Amazon, uh -huh. search Jim Sim under Kindle, and they will find that. So, what it's, not, it's not only just Kindle, by the way. You can get a hard copy of it, too. Oh, okay. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, um, you could just do Jim Sim author page or, you know, just gotcha. title of the book, and it'll give you the options of Kindle or... Yeah. Gotcha. But there's another well-known well fact, if you go to my website, which is down today, actually, now I've said that, but you can go on it and get a free PDF copy of that book if you want. Ah, uh -huh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Or go to my Facebook page and click the Learn More, and it'll take you to that link and get a free PDF book. There's all gotcha. sorts of ways to do it. Okay, okay. So, hey, we're going to talk about um, extreme conclusions or indicators of fear. Why don't you talk about... Uh, start us off with this idea um, about indicators and the idea that starts out in your book about how extreme conclusions can be indicators of fear. Yeah, I think that um, one of the well, a good illustration that and, and this is uh, a good illustration I think that applies not just to fear itself but other strongholds. You know that the Bible talks about something having a stronghold of you, and fear is it is a powerful stronghold right we all we all know what that feels it feels like and and it leads to all sorts of things that you know the worst of it probably is panic attacks and things as far as what you experience within yourself right but so here's a good indicate here's a good indicator or sorry good illustration for the finding the indicators less is pretty much there's lots of different emotions that would come up and emotions are often either an expression or a fruit of what you're thinking and believing good or bad so emotional, lots of different emotions that we experience and other reactions would be indicators, kind of like the, the, the lights on your dashboard. Right, right. right? When, it, when a light pops up on the dashboard, it's, it's, it's not the thing itself. It's only an indicator. It's showing you your engine's overheating or it might right. be a transmission, it might be a power steering. You don't know until you pop the hood and you put a, a data analysis thing or now it's under the under the driver's seat, right? You can plug in the thing and it'll tell you a code that can be interpreted to say, oh, this is what's wrong with the car. You have to fix that. Mm -hmm. Foolishness would be if you just, you know, ripped off the front of the, you know, the plastic glass of your dashboard, changed the bulb or threw the bulb away so it wasn't annoying you. Uh, so the indicator is there not to be addressed in itself, but to look under the hood, if you like, or if, from my country, under the bonnet, as we say, to see right, what's right. wrong with the engine. So that's what indicators right, are. On. It would be look under the engine, but it also the bonnet for us would be a, a, a something. Or in Texas, it's a flower. It's a blue bonnet that you're not allowed to touch. There you go. Yeah. You just can't dig them out and put them in your yard. Oh, okay. That's a shame. I thought this was a free country. Anyway, that's another subject. <laughs> yeah. That's an extreme conclusion. It is. What? Yeah. 
Yeah. It does actually. Yeah, I like it. We could, you could you could run with that a little bit because we do do things like that when we don't like something yeah. or we're afraid of something. We'll we'll go to an ex- we'll find the we'll find um, sayings and, and memes are good for this these days. Little phrases taken out of context that have a broad you know application, and then you when you take it and try to make it specific and jam it oh, into something right. to get what you want or or not have to deal with what you should deal with things like that well it's a free country you know i should be able to go play, pick whatever i want so it means right, i can right. go in your yard and take up your flowers it doesn't mean that right but yeah I'm, yeah exactly that's good i like that so uh so extreme conclusions then uh would be a barrier to me feeling my fear um yes you could you could say that it's probably also uh, so it's two-fisted, isn't it? It could be a barrier to feeling your fear when you begin to feel it. So right. you're, you're feeling afraid, or you may not be aware that you're afraid, but fear is coming up uh, and beginning to manifest itself in, in one sort of category of how it might be, an indicator that you have fear or one manifestation of fear is that you, category-wise, would be extreme conclusions. There's lots of different ones you could come up with. That's why I'm saying it's like a category. Right, because there's extreme conclusions is only one manifestation or one type of manifestation of fear. There, there are there are other manifestations right. of it as well. Extreme actions, <laughs> but that extreme that 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 manifestation of that fear actually then stops me from feeling my fear. Yes. So if I'm afraid that my rights are being taken away from me, it, my right to pick a blue bonnet, which is a flower in Texas that comes out in the spring, typically, um, then. As I manifest that, I actually put more energy towards the manifestation of the fear than I do to actually taking care of the fear. Right. Okay. Right. okay. Yeah. yeah. Because we, we talked in the last couple of weeks about how, you know, and you're kind of hitting on this right now, is that there's two different ways to look at fear. You have fear, which is very superficial, that, that's, which is what we tend to talk about. And you're describing the deep-rooted fear that's inside in our soul that's actually... Um, a counterfeit of faith. It's very much the same. It's being sure of what right. you hope for and certain of what you do not see, the worst of things. It's a belief system. You could actually call fear unbelief. It would be the opposite of believing God is that you're unbelieving something and it's creating fears or expressions of fears. And a lot of us just talk about, we aim at the expressions. And that's what you're saying. If you're feeling that, you don't allow that feeling to resonate with you to go deeper and to what am I really afraid or what am I really believing yeah. here? Yeah. That's where we would get victory and breakthrough in the kind of uh, thing that God is aiming for when it was, I think it was John the Baptist's dad who said it. He prophesied when John uh, was going to be born. He said that, um, right. or maybe it was his mom, I don't remember, but they said this, um, that the favor of God is upon Israel, etc., etc., that we might serve him all our days without fear. That yeah. looming presence or yeah. that, that looming undercurrent inside that, you know, that, that eventually it's, it's gonna, this is going to be bad. Right, right. So, so I, start, I start experiencing fear, but I don't even experience it. It just has been my pattern, my habit to go to extreme things. So somebody starts saying something to me and I just go with, well, I, I'm, this is a free country, isn't it? So what it does is I'm, I'm afraid that my freedom is going to be taken away from me, or I'm afraid I'm just going to lose the argument. And so I mm-hmm. go to the conclusion. So is it is, so is, is, is the manifestation or the habits 
of extreme conclusions, is that a way of stuffing my emotion or is that way of boxing in my emotion? Or is that because I'm not, I'm not looking under the hood. I'm not looking at the engine. I'm not looking at the thoughts that cause my fear or what's going on inside of me. Um, so how, j just explain a little bit more about what that manifestation is doing once I make a choice or a ha I cr I've created a habit and just fall into that rut. Yeah, I think that it, it's not just emotional less. I think it's more than that. You know, we, we had talked in a, a, you know, in a previous chat like this that uh, a, really, a really clear indicator of fear happening inside me. Like, let's say I'm afraid of failing or I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid right. of death. Those are the main three fears. Let's, let's say that's happening to me. And we can use a biblical example. I, I, I thought about here in a minute if you want. But, but let's say that that's happening. Fear is happening. We will try to control what we fear. So extreme conclusions would, is one attempt at control. There's lots of different ways that we try to control. Yeah. I think we talked about this actually last week, you know, passive aggression or being a, uh, just straight up aggressive or avoiding something or moving to another town or, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that is, uh, we, if, if we fear losing control, well, we try to control it, right? So yeah. that's, that's yeah. probably a better indicator at face value of, and there's lots of different types of ways we can do that. And extreme conclusions would be one of those. So emotionalism, it would be another one or lack of emotion. But certainly feeling the emotions of it, a lot of people wouldn't. But they're experiencing a deep unbelief thing happening that's making them afraid of failure or rejection or loss of control. So they might not actually be feeling nervous or anxious or worried or those times, but things we tend to associate emotionally with fear. That's, that's one grouping you could say. But there's other things in that. There are some people who don't experience that. They're not aware of it even in themselves. But right. the control would be the indicator. Your, your attempt right. to control another person or another situation, and there's all sorts of means with which we could do that. That's a better indicator for a lot of people. Am I trying to control something that's either not my responsibility to control or I really actually can't control? And I think I, I'm going to add to that. I think that is, am I trying to control my emotions then that's that too. Yeah. And not, so, so I've, I've never been a very controlling person. I've been in administration and leadership for a lot of decades, but I find that it's, it's almost equally as bad to try to control parts of myself and not release that anger, not release that fear. I don't mean to scream at somebody, but not to uh -huh. like experience it. And as I box it in, it's kind of like putting that black tape over your radio, your, your overheating light. And yeah. you just, Right, and eventually it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna overheat <laughs> your car. Yeah, so, it's going to come out. That car is going to break down. You know, right? It's gonna break down, and it's gonna cause more damage and take up more time and not get me to my destination, which our emotional mm -hmm. makeup, our makeup as humans, is supposed to move us into our destiny, into where we're going, into our purpose. And so these indicator lights are saying, "Hey, you're on the wrong track, or you're not maintaining properly your spiritual, physical, mental." you know, relational health when you're moving forward. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think when you were saying there about um, even trying to over control yourself in the sense of there's some, um, let me see if I can do the short version of this. You know, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. But yeah. it's interesting that a lot of people still would even think that's me controlling myself. Right. And that's the fact that it's actually a fruit that comes from 
him being in partnership with I, you, and you actually have given over control to him, yeah. a, a yielding to him and trust, that then there's an empowerment of his that is self-control. And that would even apply to when you're angry because it's the right time to be angry, but it's not out of control anger. Yeah. And there's anger. Dr. Henry Cloud, you know, does a brilliant job of talking about some of this, how the church right. has, has really kind of given anger a bad name. And, and made it all anger is sin, which it's not. That would be one way of putting black tape over the indicator. There's a time to be angry. But he teaches, and of course, he's brilliant at it, is that um, the anger is used appropriately when there's a violation happening to me or something like that. The wrong use of it is when the anger is old and it's kept for later or, right. it's, used to, or it's used to control. It's not a good tool for, recon for reconciling. Right, it's only yeah. an awareness tool is what it is. And it might give me some empowerment to a degree, maybe to defend myself if I was being physically, you know, you right. know attacked or something like that. Um, that or, but, but, but again, that's on, the, that's on the outside edge of how you right. use anger. That's not the general how you should use it day to day. So he teaches a lot that we're either letting anger get old. Other people teach this too. And that's where bitterness would come in and toxic emotions and stuff. But even covering that, we're having self-control in the wrong way to subdue it. I feel angry right. instead of expressing it appropriately by the right. power of God. And then it, and then it should subside. You, you, you look, your indicator shows you something and you go fix it. You don't use the anger to fix it. The anger is an indicator. And, right. uh, but when we use anger too much, that becomes a control thing. And that's a very sort of, what would you say, like a rudimentary uh, emotion. With, I mean, we have a granddaughter now who's 18 months. And very early on in life, you can see this expression of, I can't get what I want. I'm not in control, right? So I, I, you know, I, throw, I throw, that's anger is a very rudimentary or elementary emotion to use to express, I don't like that this is out of control. I'm right. not in control of things. So, so as we get adult, of course, we're supposed to teach our kids to use that properly. If you're doing that at 50, you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> doing it a lot at 50, they've just learned, one of the ways they've learned is to get their own way and be in control is extreme conclusions. It's absolute yeah. things. So, so I hear you saying, you know, and I completely believe that anger is not in and of itself negative at all. And we have given anger a bad rap and we've given fear a bad rap too. And we've talked about that a bit before. And I think it's healthy for us to just look at these emo emotions as emotions that they're yes. in, they're a blessing. They are, they might, they, they reflect God's design, even though we might not be feeling them or sensing them or experiencing them in a godly way, or man, they might not be manifesting themselves. We should be, Thank you, God, for giving me this sensitivity emotionally. And um, so I want to I talk about what are some of your extreme conclusions that you've made in your, in your life. But I'll, I, I'll, I'll go also if you want. I've got three doozies. Okay, um, go, give me a doozy and then I'll think of a doozy as well. But let me say before, <laughs> you're a lot older. But before I uh, say so, I just want to go back to the anger thing because I want to say this because I've used anger a lot as a tool. And it's not a very good one. And gotcha. I've, used it, I've used it excessively. I've used it uh, too many times. I've used it completely out of place. And I would say that when I look back and I analyze that as I've grown, is that um, I, was, I can look and I can see what I just talked about. It was, it was a fear that was there that I yeah. was not in control of something. Uh, and, and almost always, 
and this it was immaturity on my part, as thinking I was supposed to be in control of something, mis misaligning the idea of my responsibilities uh, with control. And, re and then as I've matured more, I'm getting to realize there's a lot of things I'm not responsible for. Um, and I'm not, I'm not supposed to, certainly not supposed to have control over. I'm not supposed to have control over anyone, in fact. Right, right. <laughs> so my and use of anger was very often completely out of place. And if I just was going to try to deal with the anger, rather, when I started realizing, oh, that's a, an indicator light of fear. I'm, I'm afraid right. I'm not in control. What am I trying to control? And I realized, oh, God is not even in control of that. That's one thing. Oh, that person is supposed to control that, not me. It's very liberating and freeing uh, yeah. from, to, to address the fear part, not the anger part. The anger kind of took care of itself. I'm less angry about other stuff because it, it's, it's right. not my business. So, you, okay, so. Before, I share, yeah, before I share that, I want to go on. So maybe, maybe this fear area and anger is maybe they're almost always connected to the extreme conclusions of failure, rejection, and death. So... If I make a mistake, I might be a mistake. So as I make a mistake, I go to extreme conclusion. I am a mistake. Yeah, I that's a good example. In, in ministry or in marriage or in my finances, so therefore I'm a failure. And then I, I look to prove that I'm a failure. And then an extreme conclusion is my ideas are me. My opinions are me. So if you're not agreeing with them, I'm afraid you're rejecting me. So I can go ahead and be angry. Or I can just be, you know, and so I think even death is like, I've not been afraid of death, but I'm terrified of having to die to myself and die to my opinions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're terrified of, uh, man, I want to be able to keep on. Oh, this is my, you know, and I want to be yeah. godly about it too. While I'm, yeah. while I'm uh, trying to keep all my, <laughs> so, yeah, but that, that was a good example of, of what you just laid out there. Uh, right there. I thought that, that was a good way of when you, you sort of like, if you think of the matrix, you know, or Alice in Wonderland, when you go, when you go down the rabbit hole or you take the, the blue pill or whatever pill it was that, that Neo took in the movie The Matrix, uh, you're going to see what you may not really like to see. It's better that you see it, but, but the journey right. there to seeing it is going to be an awakening. And yeah. a lot of times when we that's what fear is. We, we, we'll deal with the superficial part and we're often quite happy to just address that because they dig deeper into, oh, I'm making these extreme conclusions because deep down in me, what you're doing to me right now feels like rejection. And I have a deep wound in me of yeah. being rejected that I've yeah. never had healed. And I can't bear to ever feel that again. So I just right. reject something, right. whatever it might be. Anger is the one we've been on, but there's lots of different ways of, of doing that. So yeah, good. Uh, that was a good. I want to stick to fear because this is about, this is about your amazing book that everybody can buy on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so here, here's, I wrote down three, I'll share one, then I'll share two, then I'll share three, and you can share one if you want, but I, I don't have yeah. to share all three, but I was, I was surprised, I was reading your book, and you know, we talked, up, we, last week we said we're going to talk about extreme conclusions, is, uh, is I think these extreme conclusions can be about others, about huh? events, about non-tangible items like money or houses or cars, mm -hmm. um, because I've heard one, one extreme conclusion I've heard a lot from Christians is God just doesn't want me to have nice stuff. Yeah. And it's been an amazing thing. It's usually when it's usually when something that nice they have gets broken or breaks down or they have to sell it because they've overextended themselves. Or it can be about us. A lot of my what the Lord showed me this last week or what came to me last week is uh, 
were, was actually about myself, others, and uh, something intangible. So my first one is just this, this extreme conclusion that I have held as absolute truth for 20 years of my life, from my late teens till probably 40, is I am unemotional. I'm unemotional. And what, what it went to is my extreme conclusion is hiding the fear is I'm afraid to feel my emotions. I'm afraid to explore what I'm feeling. I'm afraid of being feeling sad, lonely, stupid, or I'm even afraid of being afraid. So I'll put a black piece of tape over that indicator light. And that was mm -hmm. like a shocker to me that that is an extreme conclusion. And, and the thing is with extreme conclusions, it's a limiting belief. It says, if I believe I'm unemotional, I will never seek to honor God with my emotions. So, right. I, so I, I turn my thermostat really, really low, really low. And I never go, I, I can work as much as I want. I'll never go higher. So that extreme conclusion had to be exposed and had to be broken up and thrown away. Mm -hmm. I'm at the end part of that now where I'm seeing a lot of re good results from saying, I am an emotion. I am emotional. And I'm happy to be that way. I thank God that I am. So, so here's, so you give an example. Let me, let me turn this on you if I might. And no, ask no, no, questions. So, when it, when it, <laughs> so here's the thing, because you, you kind of did this a minute ago where you went, the, the, the thing goes deeper and deeper until you get right. to the root of it. So if you chase right. that root down, where did it take you when you, why were you afraid of being emotional? Why well, was I afraid of being emotional? I think it's just, um, the, uh, uh, you know, it's a good, um, so I'm afraid to feel my emotions. I think partly is I, I am, I am uh, an introvert. I am, I have been quite to myself much of my life. Um, uh -huh. I act well as an extrovert and the more emotional I get. I think it's just a desire, uh, maybe a false desire to not be seen or exposed to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. which I've lived for years now, more and more vulnerable, more and more seen. And it's the right place to be. Yeah. Um, so just that, I mean, I was very shy. I didn't, didn't really speak to people in general till I was 13, till I got in church and got spirit filled. I was in church before that, but, but yeah, so that was like, I don't know if that, that was probably just a protective thing for me is to not have an opinion, not have emotions, mm -hmm. not, not having love or hate for any, any athletes or any stars or any people, just, just neutral on everything, which is yeah. real yeah so. yeah so that was that was something that you had those three categories that was like in the in the in the, the category of yourself so you had others you had yeah, yourself yeah. And, and you had things yeah i think um for me i would say one of the the things i had um and i i could i could the reason i was asking that i was interested to see if you would trace it back to a fear of failure or a fear of rejection or a fear of death and i could say one i could see in me when uh, because as I was saying about the anger, another one for me that was a doozy was for, in, as far as myself, I used to have this phrase that I would say, well, I'm just amateur, you know, I'm just an amateur player, you know? And, yeah. um, I realized after a long time I was cursing myself. Why would I say that? Good. Yeah. I, yeah. I was reading that scripture, I think Psalm, Psalm 149, I think, or 139, I think is the one that says, um, about being fearful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So I hit, had that hit me one day. That does not square with me saying I'm an amateur player. And I'm not talking about I'm amateur at chess or I'm amateur at woodwork. I'm talking about I was saying about my personhood. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I was, of course, I would start by saying, well, are you any good at soccer? Well, I'm amateur, you know. And then I would take that to, I'm amateur. Most things, I'm just an amateur player. In other words, right. I'm not all that. And so I started feeling the sort of correction, you know, from the Holy Spirit. Why are you saying that when I say you're fearfully and wonderfully made? They don't yeah. go together. So which one are you going to agree with? And I start, so then I started to realize, okay, I've got to straighten that out. And now you, I could just swap my speech and not still believe it. So I started right. asking God, what is it that I'm afraid of to say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and uh, that I'm significant or something, you know, things like that? Why am I afraid of that? And uh, so here's what it was, because I would be afraid that if I didn't make, if, if to you, the, the, the people looking in, I showed any imperfection, or any mistake, then that proves that it's not true, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that I'm not perfect. And then it's easier to say right now I'm amateur than to set myself up to fail. Yeah. So there's the fear of failure, see, which is very connected to the fear of rejection. If I fail your expectation, you reject me. I can't bear the idea of that. So what I do is I just say, I'm amateur. Then I have no expectations of ever excelling at anything like that, yeah. in, in anybody else's judgment. But the worst thing about that, Les, and a lot of us too, a lot of people do this. They say things to that extent about themselves. That's an extreme conclusion. Who is amateur? Like I say, I might be amateur at chess or I might be – I've even said on the other side of that, people will say, well, they must be really good at it because they're professional. Professional only means you get paid. It doesn't right. mean that you're any good. And right. amateur is only that you don't get paid for something yeah. as far as tasks. Yeah, but to say great. a human being is an amateur person, that they're just average, does not go with what the scripture says. Um, uh, when you sh- you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. And when you, when you start to read more of that lesson, you see the intention of God when he's saying things like, I knit you together in your mother's womb before you were born. I knew you and things like that. You see the intention of God before you were born to make you special and to make you unique and to make you average doesn't come into it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that, and that's an extreme conclusion out of fear of failure. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm going to, yeah, that's, that's super good stuff. I'm going to go to uh, my, my one. Uh, so I gave one about myself. Here's one about others. But I did notice they're all about myself, though, which I think that's, <laughs> always, I think that's always the case because they're my, they're my beliefs and my fear and they're my um, uh, extreme conclusions is I all, I said through my thirties, I don't like people. And yeah, uh, I, I remember you saying that. I know. I did a lot on that by people like you, like irritating friends. Um, <laughs> friends that know, you know, that's yeah. not true. Uh-huh. Um, people sit me down uh, staff members and say, don't say that. Don't say you're not a people person. Because mm-hmm. even though they list out why I was a people person, I still didn't believe them. Um, mm-hmm. So, so this others I don't like people is um, uh, I don't want anyone to see me, and I don't want to share myself with anyone because I'm afraid of people. That's what that that that's the exposure. That's the deeper belief. I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid I don't know how to connect with people, even though it's a deep in us for all of us to want to connect with people. We're afraid people will hurt us, reject us. Um, we're, we're afraid relationships and partnerships aren't worth the risk. And now uh, if for the last since probably since I'm 40, maybe, maybe, maybe mid 40s, but the last five or 10 years, if somebody and I hear this a lot, I, my, my ear picks up this uh, 
I, um, I don't like people. I, I have actually looked at people and say, that is never true. <laughs> never true. And it's extreme conclusion that says, hey, I'm going to push it way out here. Don't get close to me because I don't like people in general. It's not true. What it's really saying is saying, I really don't understand people. I'm really confused when it comes to connection and things like that. Um, and that is definitely a fear of rejection in that area for me. So that's been a, a huge win in my life because if I, again, if I take this thermostat and I want to be a hundred degrees and Jesus, Jesus relational was a hundred degrees. I push it way down here to frigid and freezing. Yeah. And then I do some action and some work and I might even get some teaching about how Jesus loved people, but I've, I've set the thermostat low where I don't like people. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not love people in that same way and even if i love them it's going to be annoying and hard work and, and does so that also mean unless that, you, that it's hard to let them love you oh yeah absolutely if i don't like people then they don't like me or if they like me <laughs> they're probably confused about why they like me they're seeing something wrong that's not true to me they're just seeing something so do you have a, do you have another one do you have another uh um to do with yourself you were talking uh, uh, about uh, conclusion yeah, I, I would say one of them uh, would be to do with uh, people, others and things going together. Because you'd mentioned three, there's others and then there's things. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've actually, I use this example. It comes to my mind. I use it when we do our Real Freedom seminars, when we talk about inner vows and judgments. Because judgments and inner vows are extreme conclusions, right? You make an, an inner vow is a promise you make to yourself. And a judgment is this condemning sort of final sentence that you pass on other people both of which you know the the scriptures forbid us to do and god is saying don't do that because it's it's very unhealthy of course it's unhealthy for us first of all it's unhealthy for our relationships and it's unhealthy for connecting with god but i've got one that goes with both and that was about basically uh people with wealth and therefore connecting to that is money um are out to get you or they're going to stick it to you (laughs) Or, yeah. or they're not to be trusted. Yeah. Um, or they're sneaky or they must have stole it. You know, there's a lot that goes in there. But basically, yeah. uh, extreme conclusion um, of those who have more than you, whatever more is, <laughs> that can, that's so subjective. It can be, it can be uh, yeah. different one day to the next. Uh, but certainly people who, who would, let's say, maybe live in a different financial grouping than you that's obvious, let's put it that way, by their material possessions at least, um, then having the extreme conclusion that they're to be feared, that they're, that they're not to be trusted, uh, that, they're not, that they're not honest, and you would group them all together. That's an extreme conclusion. And, yeah. uh, and God started showing me, not so much that he was talking to me um, about fear at the time, but but he started to break that by teaching me about how toxic that was inside me and judging other people and how that was preventing me because Jesus said, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How that way of thinking was preventing me from prospering because I was getting what I was believing for. And if you don't want to be greedy, if you don't want to be greedy and selfish and untrustworthy, then you wouldn't go get more money, would you? Because you've already decided people with money are that way. So you self-sabotage, and that's what extreme conclusions do. So, And I I would say that for me, a lot of that fear that uh, why that was there was the fear of rejection from my economic group or my social group 
that I grew up with, which was we were proud to be blue collar, working class, uh, to not have much, to only, to, even to say this, and this is one of the things I used to say, kind of like I'm amateur, would be like, well, I, I'm just happy to have enough to live on and pay the bills. What yeah. does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> It makes no sense. And so you would say things like that. And that came out of wanting to associate with people in your neighborhood, yeah. you know, where you lived and your sort of economic tribe, if you like. Yeah. And uh, so if you, if you had more than them or the fear of rejection is definitely for me that what was at the root of that, you, you don't want to be disassociated from the people you've grown up with and the culture. It's more than just your neighbor being your friend and sharing his lawnmower with you. It's it's um it's a whole culture that you've grown up with. There's an identity attached to it. Right. It, it, it feels like it's a part of your personhood that you'd be letting go of to be like them because you've got this idea in your head, an extreme conclusion that them are different from you <laughs> in such a way that they're to be shunned or stayed away from. And um and I think that same prejudice that comes out of that that is a fruit of that is where you see racism and things like that, you know, all across the world. I think it's a, it's a similar deal, but it comes from fear yeah. of not, of not knowing or not understanding the other people as well as being rejected by your own people. Yeah. And you've talked about that, that very British uh, thing about class and stuff like that before. And, and I don't have that same, that same thing with people with money with others, but my third point or my third, the, the first one is I am unemotional about myself. The other is I don't like people about others. And the third one is I don't care about money. And I was surprised that that's, that's an extreme conclusion. And I was challenged on that in my forties. And uh, what it, what it, I think what that is hiding or has been exposing. And now of course I'm like, I absolutely think money's awesome. It's been a total turnaround, almost embarrassing for me. Yeah. Uh, or perhaps to have different thoughts. Again, I'm going to use the thermostat. I put the thermostat way down here. Yeah. You know, you know, we, we, you know, I'm the head and not the tail. He owns the cattle on a thousand mountains. He, you know, we put, we, Jesus puts us up here at a hundred degrees and we shove it down to 32 degrees and we're all, it's always free, freezing and frigid. But I had a couple fears in there and f fear of failure that if I go after something, I won't get it because uh -huh. of my experience of failing financially before but also some fear of rejection that if I, if I have money um, that I will be judged by others, especially if I'm in the ministry, especially uh -huh. the ministry in a small church or a small ministry. Um, uh -huh. And I'll, I'm afraid that I'll appear greedy if I have knowledge about money, if I have success about money, um, if I know how to increase money or use money or have a good budget, um, I was afraid of my own judgment. My own brain would attack me when I would yeah. go, I feel the Lord wants to bless me. I, I mean, I've been lifted off the spirit of poverty. Now, how do I move in this? My own brain would start giving me the dead man out of that rut, would jump out and start accusing me of being greedy, of being selfish, of being like, you're going to be rejected. You're going to be exposed. Uh -huh. You're not really. That sounds a lot like the same thing I was talking about with myself. It's very similar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting thing. So, but it's, I, I feel like in all, in these three areas are areas I've had success now. And what's weird is where I was weak in not liking people, where I was weak and not being emotional, where I was weak and not caring about money. I feel like the Lord has like, uh, 
exponentially blessed me in those three areas now. Like it's just been a weird uh-huh. thing to like have more of all of those things I was bad at from 40 something to now be much better and have a long ways to go. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, fear of failure and rejection. Did you have a third? Yeah, I can see a long way. It looks like you can't afford a haircut or a beard trim right now. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I want to, what I want to do is I want to live wealthy but appear poor. So I have this Adidas shirt on because instead of you know, Jesus armor. will love you more because you won't. You will try to look like an amateur. That's right. Yeah, but right. that's what that's the extreme conclusion that we come to. And actually, the bottom line of it is that somehow in these things, when we get the examples you've used and that I've used, and and thank God for some breakthrough in those things, but. The, the the sad part when you're bound to the, those extreme conclusions you've made about yourself or others or about things is that you project it into your relationship with God. That's ultimately the final route that it comes down to is that God will reject me for this. God will see me as a failure yeah. for that. And of course, death, I'll go to hell maybe, you know, for this. I so you do all of these things thinking I was just being facetious about it. But that is what happens right. is that. The narrative inside is that God will love me more and honor right. me more and take care of me more, even though he's maybe not taking care of me right now. But at least when I get to heaven, I'll be awesome because yeah. I suffered and, you know, I wasn't greedy. And um, and so that's that's the the real downside to all that is the, the obstacle that it puts between us and God. Because, again, to go back to our, our, our uh, working definition for fear— that's faith. That means you're believing something about God that's not true, that he's that way, right. that he sees you that way, that he would reject you over something like that or right. see you as a failure over something like that. And so you're believing something about him that's not true. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So our connection, our faith has gotten turned on its head and become that fear thing, that unbelief. And, and that's really, I think, another good way to look at fear. It's an, it's an unbelief in who God says he is and, and choosing the opposite. And um, and so it keeps you disconnected from him. Yeah. So I want to end in the next three minutes or so. But so as as we're talking here, I'm thinking, you know what? All of these extreme conclusions push up against God's extreme conclusions about us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So how do I think that's where declarations come in? So I, I'm I'm gonna like share uh, some extreme conclusions. Like mm-hmm. I am a child. Period. Yeah. That, you know, when, when I think of, oh, I, I have God's favor, period. God shares his glory with me, period. Those are extreme conclusions. I am 100% lovable, period. Parentheses, it doesn't matter what Jim Sim thinks. <laughs> yeah. There's always a solution. Steve Backlund uses this one. I use it all the time. I don't know if I'm using it the same way he uses it. But there's always a solution for every problem I have, and I will find that solution. Yeah. You know, and, and I love those extreme conclusions because they fight against our brain. They they say that our that our thoughts are lying thoughts. They say yeah. that our belief system is a lying belief system. Yeah. And yeah. In your experience, even the things you've experienced in your life yeah. are true as you're 100 percent lovable. Well, I, yeah, that's really good. I think that. And what an extreme it's only only extreme when it's put in contrast to something else. When you say. those things that God says, they only sound extreme because it's in contrast to what the world has always said or already told us. You know, it's like saying that somebody is controversial. You know, the first person who started talking about the world being round was controversial and extreme at the time. 
but only because he was in contrast to what yeah. everybody else was thinking. And of course, as soon as he's proven right, he's not extreme anymore. And, I, right. and that's the case, I think, with those, those things you're saying, how God speaks about us. It only sounds extreme and maybe arrogant or proud to say, I'm, I'm wonderfully made and I'm awesome and I'm an heir of God and I'm an inheritor of everything God has and he loves me the same as he loves Jesus. Like, who do you think you are? That's extreme. Well, it's only extreme right. when, you, when the world's been telling you that you're a loser, that you're amateur, yeah. that you should be poor, that whatever, and you can, the list goes on. It's actually, that's supposed to be the norm. And the other stuff is the real extremes because they're way out on a tangent and it's never coming out of God's mouth. Right. That's good. All right, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right here. Um, why don't you go ahead and just bless us at the at the leave right here? Yeah, I'm just gonna make a couple of. Yeah, I'm gonna do that, Father. I thank you that uh, you. you know that you have saved us through your Son Jesus, that we could live in fellowship and connection with you all the days of our lives without fear. Without, we, we can overcome the unbelief, like that guy that said, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I pray for everybody that's hearing this, that you will, by the help of the Holy Spirit, reveal places of unbelief and fear and give them boldness and courage to trust you with it, that you would turn it so that faith and love would increase in their lives, diminishing the influence of fear, wherever it's a fear of death, a fear of rejection, a fear of failure, a fear of loss, a uh, fear of judgment of others, all these different types of things. Will you expose them, Lord, today and break the power of them by just dumping in a fresh wave or, or a bucket of your love into people's hearts? Your word talks about the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts and perfect love drives out fear. So I'm asking that everyone that's here in this will have an encounter with your love, with you today, that fear would be not just diminished, but fear would be completely driven out and that new ways of encountering you would happen and new growth, a new increase, a new dominion would happen in their lives and in their families and their health and their money and their careers and ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. And all right, Jim, I'm going to say goodbye to you and um, I'm going to close out here. All right, so everybody, thanks for being here. Um, just remember... You can direct messages here if you're hiding in some extreme conclusions, if you're being feeling afraid or angry, direct messages and get some prayer and wise counsel. And you can always give financially to uh, Jimson Ministries or to the Journey Life. There's easy ways to do that. All right. God bless you all. And we will see you later.